0: This is a Disciple's Tidbit, a small seed of information to help grow your faith. My name is Craig and I'll be your host today and I invite you to sit back and enjoy this mini episode. I'd like to share something with you that I went through as an early Christian whenever I first received Christ into my life. I had a few people tell me that I had to speak in tongues. Well. I should back up for a second that i needed to show evidence of being filled with the spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues and this caused a lot of a lot of anxiety with me because of course i wanted to be sure i was saved and i didn't want to think you know well maybe i'm not you know maybe i should seek this gift and i actually did pray that you know god please please let me speak in tongues because i want to prove that i'm saved so caused a lot of turmoil with me in my early Christian um, years and months. So I kind of wanted to go over that today in case there are still certain people out there that are propagating this particular idea. The idea sounds is very sound because it does talk about, I can't remember the book right now, the scripture citation, but it talks about how if we have not the spirit of Christ, we are not of his. Okay, Basically it means if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're not saved. So, of course, you need to prove that, right? So, that's proven by speaking in tongues, and they support this by the book of Acts. Many times, whenever people believed in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came upon them, they actually did speak in tongues. There was one example where this didn't happen. Can't remember it offhand, but no, I'm going to come on record right now and say that it is not essential to speak in tongues to show that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll I'll explain why. I understand in the book of Acts that that's what happened. However, you have to understand that the new covenant was newly established. We are talking Jesus had just ascended to heaven and put the apostles in charge of building the church. And this was a brand new thing God was doing. And what was happening was when they spoke in tongues, they didn't speak gibberish. They actually spoke other languages they never learned. So, in other words, it would be like if I was in, let's say, Greece, for example, and I was, you know, touring somewhere over there. And if it, it would be all of a sudden, if I started speaking fluent Greek, I've never studied Greek. I have no idea how to say one word in Greek. It's all Greek to me because I don't understand it, let alone speak it. So these people it was actually the day of pentecost it was a it was a jewish festival when this happened and peter gave his little sermon and people received the holy spirit and they said guess what this these people are crazy what's going on but others said we're hearing them in our own languages So it wasn't a factor of they were speaking a heavenly language or a prayer language or something like that. They were actually speaking real languages that were in the world at that time that other people readily understood. So it was a huge sign that this is something God was doing. This validated Peter's message and this validated the gospel message that was going forward now we fast forward to the 21st century where it's been long established that the new covenant is in place we've had almost 2,000 years of people building the church or helping to build the church i should say and there are still people today that say you have to speak in tongues just like they did in the book of acts what in the world makes people think that demons can't imitate The just simple act of speaking in tongues, the way they do it now, because now a lot of people say it's a prayer language or it is used during worship and whatnot. Well, first of all, the way that it's done these days isn't very biblical because only one person is supposed to speak at a time and there must be someone to interpret. If there is no one to interpret, the Apostle Paul instructed those people to remain silent and just talk between themselves and God. So already, we're not doing it the way we were prescribed to do it by the Apostle Paul. Okay. Secondly, the better way to show that you have the Holy Spirit in your life isn't by speaking in tongues. The definitive and um, the only way you can't impersonate its effects is the fruit of the Spirit, spoken about in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 those fruits the demons and satan cannot imitate they can't do it because they are only going to sow to the flesh the fruit of the holy spirit is only accomplished by the holy spirit okay and we're not talking about something that's you know just here and there we're talking about you look at someone's life and you can see they have peace love joy peace and all the others that are listed that is the definitive, de facto way of seeing if somebody has the Holy Spirit or not in their lives. And it's not going to be something you're going to see right away, but you can know somebody, you can look at that person or just ask other people about those people. And they go, oh yeah, that man is a spirit-filled man. He is the most gracious, loving, forgiving, kind person I have ever met. And that is just super worldly. He is out of this world loving, out of this world kind. That is how we know that somebody has the fruit of the spirit, not because they speak in gibberish and claim that they're speaking in tongues. That's something that the demons can most readily imitate, and it's deceiving a lot of people today. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you, and if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through a process, if you will, to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart by simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life and I wanna follow you for the rest of my days. Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's all you need to do and your life will change. Your life will change, not necessarily materially, not necessarily in terms of the world, but your life will change as far as your relationship with God. And you can know for certain that you're saved. The Apostle John wrote that when he was penning 1 John. He says, I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but that you can know. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life right now, I would love it if you would contact me. But don't worry, I'm not going to ask for any money or to have you join any organization or anything like that. I just want to get some helps available to you to help you grow in your faith and to start this journey with the Lord that you've started on. Or if you just want to contact me for any reason, for comment or commendation or whatever, I am on two social networks. One is Twitter, one is Minds, M-I-N-D-S, and the handle is the same with both, it's Disciple P-O-V, that's D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-P-O-V. I'm also on email, the same handle at gmail.com. I would love it if you contact me and I look forward to hearing from you.